Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome. And it's been quite a while since uh, we've checked in with Joel Skousen, editor-publisher of World Affairs Brief. So much to discuss. We have the Uvalde school shooting. Of course, we have uh, the emergence of uh, monkeypox. Where did that come from? We have uh, an update on Ukraine and uh, so much more. Joel Skousen, welcome back. How are you? I'm just fine, Richard. It's always good to be with you. Likewise. Uh, I, I don't know how you stand still being in Canada. I'm sure I'm surprised they haven't shut you down. Well, uh, every day is a, is another day we we live to fight. So uh, <laughs> somebody has to do it. Yes. 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 Well, there are so many mountains to die on. I've lo- I've lost count, Joel. <laughs> First of all, how do we how do we subscribe to World Affairs Brief? Well, World Affairs Brief uh, is a weekly newsletter that I put out, approximately 16 pages, where I cover the events of the world from a conspiratorial perspective. That is what the deep state is doing in both sides of our border uh, to take away our liberty and get us into a new world order. It's only about a dollar a week uh, to subscribe. People can go to worldaffairsbrief.com. And if they'll click on the left-hand side in red letters, it says request a sample. Then you can get a sample and it tells you how to subscribe. All right. So let's begin with that horror show uh, that is becoming all too frequent. And that was the um, mass shooting at Robb Elementary School in Evaldi, Texas. 19 innocent souls plus uh, t- uh, students plus two teachers, also innocent, uh, taken by this crazed, psychopathic uh, 18-year-old. Um, one of the things that... that the uh, the left doesn't seem to understand Joel is that you no amount of legislation uh, can combat evil. That's right, and that's the point I took in last week's World Affairs Brief, is that this is really uh, Satan is very much involved in people's minds, and a lot of people, you know, the media won't discuss that, psychologists won't admit it or discuss it, but uh, I believe satanic influence is as real as God is, and it. Uh, both divine and evil sources can speak to your own mind in conscience. It sounds like you talking to yourself, but it's really, you, you can learn to distinguish between your own thoughts and evil thoughts that come in the mind or good thoughts. And uh, that's one of the failings of life, uh, Richard, I feel, is people have turned off the voice of conscience and they aren't listening to the right voices anymore. The Parkland shooter, for example, in Florida even admitted that he heard voices telling him to go and shoot people at the school and to use a gun to do it. So these things are very, very real, though um, it's it can't be proven. But I'll tell you, in the absence of real deep state mind control uh, evidence, um, I have to believe that Satan is fully capable himself in unstable minds uh, who are not actually mentally ill. They're just semi-possessed by evil thoughts and controlling thoughts uh, that drive them to suicide, to shooting other people, to killing other people, to not get along with your mother, to hide things from your grandfather so he can't stop you from doing a shooting. Satan's capable of putting a lot of different ideas into people's minds to guide them to do evil things. 
and, and no amount of gun control law is going to stop that. But there are there are measures that can be taken, practical measures. I saw a recent uh, poll on Trafalgar, and it seems now even a, a plurality of Democrats, surprise, surprise, are coming around to the, the idea that we have to not only armor our schools, but also train and arm teachers. What do you think of that idea? Well, absolutely. For example, Israel, who has, a, has had a constant terrorist threat uh, from Arabs invading schools, shooting people up, have every one of those teachers, uh, at least they used to, I'm not sure how it is in the last 10 years, but they used to be armed with semi-automatic and automatic weapons. Uh, they had real firepower to combat a person coming in. Now, you know, most of our teachers, unfortunately, I don't think have the uh, wherewithal mentally and courageously to really get in a firefight with someone. Even the police had trouble with this guy. Uh, even though he wasn't military trained, uh, he was able to wound several police officers and keep them at bay uh, as they you know, made token attempts to confront. And that's the big controversy now is why there was a stand down order and why the police did not. Uh, effectively intervene, even when two police officers are seen in a video outside the school watching him as he goes into the school. They didn't stop him. Why do you suppose they did stand down? Is it is it simply a matter of of poor training and maybe dare I say cowardice that that police it, no longer? I believe I believe it's cowardice on the part of Pete Arredondo, who was just elected by the city council to become the the police chief of the school district. You know, what school district has a police chief? Well, he did, but he's just a former 9-11 um, operator. Uh, he didn't really have a lot of police training. And I think he got cold feet. He was afraid to have people got shot. And he just told people, let's, let's wait, let's wait, let's wait. So they waited 90 minutes before they finally took that guy down all the time while you had children calling on cell phones multiple times saying, please come and help us. There are people still alive in here. And they did nothing. So I think it was cowardice on the part of Arredondo. And one of the things that I'm worried about is the city of Uvalde is not constant, uh, not um, working with the state of Texas or the FBI to resolve this investigation. They seem to be covering for not only a res school resource officer who in the first reports by official sources said came from off duty when he heard on 9-11, uh, on 9 about the uh, shooting. And he came and engaged the shooter, but didn't stop him. And uh, in fact, one report I said he was driving in a car and he kept on driving. He did not in fact stop to engage him. So they changed the narrative then to say that there was no resource officer. They're completely covering for them by saying he didn't exist. It was totally false. We lied. Why would police lie about inventing a resource officer if not to cover for his lack of courage of engaging this one? And then they're covering for the school teacher who propped the door open with a rock. The reason you prop a door open in a public school with a commercial door is when it's in the locked mode, if you're going to go out to your car like she was to get her cell phone, you have to prop that door open so that it doesn't automatically lock if you don't have a key to get in, which she didn't. Well, now they're claiming that she shut the door, but it didn't lock. Now, I know as a security architect, <laughs> commercial doors always lock when they're in the lock mode. They have very, very slippery uh, locking engagements. Um, but somebody's covering for someone when they said that he could just walk right in and that the door did not lock. No, the door was not locked. And she didn't have the key to unlock it, so it had to be still propped open. 
One of the common denominators seems to be with many of these shooters is that they were known to police. And yet somehow they always managed to slip through the cracks. To what extent was this shooter, I don't even want to name him because I, I think um, that's in, in part what they're looking for is, you know, to live in infamy. So anyway, how, how is it that he was known to police uh, and yet somehow wasn't on their radar? Well, this was a story that came out from Tony Gonz Senator Tony Gonzalez of Texas, who said that he had information in 2018 that that uh, uh, this shooter and one other boy were arrested by the police, and they admitted during an interrogation they were planning on shooting up a school. Tony Gonzalez came out today and said, I was misinformed, um, and police have discounted the story. They said, we did arrest two boys. But they were, but he was not among them. He was not one of them. So apparently, they can't find a police record, uh, though several of his people have said he's had run-ins with the law. So I don't know if they're covering for the fact that they did have a police record on him or not. But I can tell you one thing: I can't trust anything coming out of Uvalde uh, law enforcement now because there's just too many cover-ups going on. But I can't believe that the kind of bullying that he's known for, you know. His mother tried to excuse him by saying it's a soft, mild-mannered kid who's been bullied and that re responsible for conduct that he wasn't violent. But another student covered by the Daily Mail said openly, and I'm covering that in today's world or tomorrow's world affairs brief, he said, no, he was violent. He was torturing animals. He would goad people. And that's why he was uh, you know, bullied. He, he, would, uh, he would go after people and he got very upset when they didn't respond uh, you know, to him. So... This is a guy who has all the signs of someone who's got Satan camped, camped on a store with a chip on his shoulder. Who's, I mean, you look at how his dress uh, changed over time. He started his earlier school picture, had long hair, and then he had the, the long, long hair with the trench coat uh, looking like the Columbine people. And both of those pictures show no life in the eyes. I mean, there's, there's just there's a smile, there's, there's just a deadpan face. Um, I can spot the signs and, you know, it's interesting. I got a, a very nasty letter from a subscriber after I talked about the signs of people showing that they're getting involved in satanic feeling, you know, long haired dreadlocks, tattoos, multiple earrings, uh, weird behavior, dyed hair and all things. And he just said, I am appalled that you would think I had five children and they all went through those stages and they've turned out to be fine, upstanding well, according to you, they may be fine and upstanding, but unless they've repented of those things, they're going to be as permissive with their children as you were with them. And you'll never know what kind of better citizens they could have been had they not violated their conscience and, you know, painted their bodies and died and, and did all these weird things. I'm not buying it. He didn't respond to my rejoinder, but I'll tell you, there are permissive parents in this life and they're, they're, uh, they're barking up a wrong tree if they think that their kids will be lucky to overcome these things without having, uh, you know, bad judgment, chronic bad judgment. That seems to be the other, another common denominator. Lack of a father figure, lack of proper modeling of a health, healthy, loving relationship in the home. Uh, here again, a broken home. Uh, it, it's so easy to offer up these facile solutions like gun control. It's much harder to address the root causes, which are 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 cultural and 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 moral, and and could take generations to fix. 
Well, that's right, uh, Richard. You know, culturally, we have become a permissive society. And a permissive society does not reinforce conscience. I remember when I went to school as a grade school uh, student, when I would get a little bit out of line, and I never did anything really bad, but, you know, it could be light-minded or other things and do goofy things. And a teacher could read her conscience, you know, and easily say, you know, you're out of line, Joel. You know, stop that. They don't discipline anymore in schools. In fact, it's illegal in many legal and in many public schools to do anything but a little bit of a verbal rep. And you don't want to destroy their self-esteem, you know, is the new thing. And now we have this this transgender idiocy going on where you have everyone in the establishment kowtowing to people. I saw a news report last night where a school was just being lambasted because they published all of the children's legal names in the yearbook under their picture and did not accede to the transgender people. There were about seven of them in the school that wanted their transgender name in there. And, you know, the school just bent over backwards and kowtowed and apologized and said, we won't do this again. You know, they couldn't republish the thing, but as if they'd committed some great crime by not accessing, uh, acquiescing to these transgenders desire to change their sexual orientation. Well, there's a, um, a new Biden. I don't think it's actually a new Biden uh, policy. It may go back to Barack Obama's administration, but they want uh, schools to um, allow boys who identify, self-identify as girls or young women to have uh, access to the girls' washroom, the girls' shower room. And if these schools do not tow that line, they will be denied funding for, I believe it's like the, the national um, meal program that provides food, lunches. Food program, right? Food program provides, yeah. provides food, uh, lunches for uh, students, for some of whom it may be their only meal of the day. Yeah. Well, the, the, there's another secretary of the Biden administration was openly calling for boys to be, or boys claiming to be girls to be included in girls' sports. And that this is a matter of Title IX anti-discrimination laws that will prosecute if you don't allow male genders to compete with girls' sports. I mean, this is putting this kind of idiocy on, a, on an illegal foothold uh, but I just don't see anyone in the establishment, anyone at all, standing up to this and calling what it is. All so right. I don't have a lot of hope, Richard, about where we're heading as a country when you have all the corporate leadership and even religious leaders getting on board with this excessive tolerance of this nonsense about your gender. There's one, in fact, the, the Biden administration secretary said, you know, with the fact that we cannot now define what a person's sex is, He's justifying it. What do you mean we cannot define? I mean, normal people can see it. <laughs> we'll uh, take a quick time out. Uh, Joel Skousen is with us, publisher, editor of World Affairs Brief. To subscribe, visit worldaffairsbrief.com. Back with more in a moment. the miracle molecule carbon 60 or c60 for my good friends at c60evo.com and i take a tablespoon every morning it delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin c c60 is a known antiviral antioxidant antibacterial anti-inflammatory it's a remedy that works c60 evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed this alone is worth the cost of the bottle I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head. 
Get your Miracle in a Bottle C60 from c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. It's time to redefine reality. reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Joel Skousen, editor, publisher of World Affairs Brief once again. Joel, how do we subscribe? Have your listeners go to worldaffairsbrief.com and um, you can click on the red subscribe button, but I first recommend people go to the label on the left, which says request a sample, and it'll send you the current brief to your email and you can read it and it tells you how to subscribe on that. You can do it either for a month, a year, or for two years. Uh, and the sample is uh, how you can try it out and see what you like. The emergence of monkeypox. It's funny that uh, this emerged, I believe it was just a few days before the uh, the World Health Assembly was getting together in uh, Geneva. They were uh, debating these amendments to the international health regulations, and they're also trying to cobble together a, a pandemic treaty. And then along comes a monkeypox, which we associate with places like uh, Africa. Now, all of a sudden, we have cases in Canada and the UK and, and uh, in the United States. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, it can't be a coincidence. No, uh, especially since Bill Gates and others who have promoted the original exaggerated pandemic, which never should have been a, a lawful pandemic, uh, have you know continually warned there's going to be another pandemic, another pandemic. And uh, you know you have the fact that the government has stockpiled uh, pox uh, vaccines that supposedly cover everything from uh, smallpox to monkeypox. Uh, the the problem with the, let me just say uh, also I want to tell you that the news today though is that the WHO rejected the treaty because so many nations came out and said we're not going to abide by it so it did not pass yet uh, I don't have any hope that they won't try again at some point like most uh, you know tyrannical organizations but. These are the 13, excuse me, Joel, these are the 13 ad, uh, amendments that came from the Biden administration right. that would severely undermine national sovereignty, would allow the World Health Organization to not only declare the pandemic, but also uh, sort of direct the response exactly. so uh, they could order lockdowns and mask mandates and, and uh, travel bans and, and so forth. Sorry, go and ahead. It's dangerous because it would allow the Biden administration to say, well, our hands are tied. It's the UN that mandates this, and we have agreed by treaty to follow that. Now, I have said when I covered that in the World Affairs Brief that because this does attack national sovereignty, uh, this would require Senate confirmation because it, you cannot have an existing treaty that has been passed and then amend it to this degree to attack national sovereignty without having to have the Senate confirm that, which I doubt. Uh, right, because it would take a two-thirds majority. That's right, that's right. So it's a dead issue now. But monkeypox is not deadly. Uh, almost everybody recovers from it. The pustules, of course, are very ugly, and, and that's what gives people the uh, the queasies. But um, unless this has been bioengineered and changed, it's not going to end up being a pandemic, even if it, you know, spreads. And and as far as the original spreading is concerned, you know, it started with a group of homosexuals that came back from Africa, 
And it takes very close physical contact to, to spread this. It doesn't spread by coughing or, or by uh, air in the mole. It's physical contact. And so far, the people that have come down with the monkeypox have been to foreign countries and engaged in activities that do transfer this. So I'm not worried about it unless it has somehow been biologically changed. But uh, it's clear, I mean, even the, the COVID thing, they're resurrecting this thing in terms of the COVID restrictions because of cases. And as you know, you know the, the testing is so illegitimate in terms of COVID. They're still using a PCR even though a test, even though it's been uh, outlawed. Uh, but that's what's driving up cases uh, are not a corresponding increase in hospitalizations, but it shows they never want to let us free from this overarching, looming shadow of government emergency powers to determine what you can do in a pandemic. Well, uh, we are still living under a travel ban uh, mandate. We have 6 million vaccine-free or those that refuse to reveal their vaccine status who are virtual prisoners. Canada has become, in essence, the, the largest prison on the earth for six million people, uh, despite the fact uh, that the federal government's own data shows the the COVID vaccine uh, does not prevent the transmission of the right. Omicron variant, and uh, also the federal government, uh, the Health Canada has admitted they haven't even gathered data uh, in terms of uh, the transmission aboard planes. Which, of course, as you know, I mean they have the the best air circulation and exchange uh, equipment in the world. So. Uh, it, it, it's and all the airlines, all the airlines have come out against requiring, but a Canadian airline, I just talked to my brother who flew from Vancouver down to the United States and they required the vaccine and the mask to fly on Canadian airlines. And he was just very, very upset. He says, I'm not going back to Canada. I don't blame them. Apparently the science is different here though, Joel, everywhere else <laughs> in the world, uh, they have, they, they've moved on. Now getting back to monkeypox for a moment though, it, something similar also to, to COVID and that is, didn't they do a tabletop exercise for a monkeypox outbreak? Yeah, absolutely. A year ago, they did a tabletop exercise uh, with monkeypox as the pandemic driver. And so this, as you know, they did 10 of those relative to COVID even before COVID was invented. And, uh, so that's that's a telltale sign that they still intend to do something. I'm still skeptical that monkeypox is going to turn into that second pandemic unless they bioengineered it. And we don't. But it's certainly not certainly um, spreading that rapidly. No. Uh, in the uh, in the tabletop exercise, they also pre they, not predicted, but they they were in the exercise, they were planning that the monkeypox outbreak would erupt in May of 2022. Yes. I yes. mean, come on. <laughs> Why are they so obvious about it? Well, you know, that's really an amazing question because um, I think they're so confident in their ability to control the world, the deep state, which there's a deep state component in every single Western country. It's not just the United States. They're so confident now, I think that they're really cocky in terms of their ability to uh, do things more openly now. And that's what really worries me. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic because uh, there's probably no greater expert on the deep state in the United States than I am. And I'll tell you, uh, they control every single law enforcement. There's a deep state component to every single law enforcement agency. And the heads of all those agencies are controlled by deep state. So that the white side of the CIA, the FBI, the DEA, don't know what the dark side is doing. They still do white side work, but they have this growing dark side that does all the illegal acts. And as one of them bragged to an informant who, 
came out of the dark side. He said, Congress doesn't know we exist. We have our own funding source. We have our own hierarchy of command. And I believe that's absolutely true. Are you at all encouraged, though, Joel, that now everyone is talking about the deep state? Uh, it used to be, you know, in World Affairs Brief and programs like mine and elsewhere. But outside of these little enclaves, nobody talked about the deep state. Everybody talks about it now. Yes, you still have the mainstream media dismissing it as all conspiracy theory. But more and more and more people are waking up to this. Um, we had a, a, an ethics commissioner reported that uh, he had received a thousand emails from Canadians complaining about the World Economic Forum's influence in in Canada, in Canadian uh, politics, in the federal cabinet, something that Klaus Schwab has admitted to. Uh, now, of course, the legacy media dismissed it as a conspiracy theory, but people are waking up. Are you encouraged by that? Well, only partially. Um, the reason I'm not enthusiastic about it is that very people, even though it's become common knowledge to talk about the deep state, no one is allowed to know how deep the deep state is and how much they have been involved in, in terms of, I mean, very few people really know that the deep state did 9-11. They even hired the terrorists. They loaded the buildings with explosives. I mean, I could go on and on about that. They, of course, did Pearl Harbor. They did, uh, uh, you know, TW-800 or covered up for it. I mean, there is the more you know about the actual conspiracies that they've been involved in, the more you realize, whoa, these, these people really have power. And you see, for example, how they can control juries, how they um, exonerated Michael Sussman, uh, the ex-former, even though the, you know, the Durham probe and the federal probe proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he'd lied to, the, to federal agents, covered up for something that was totally false and discredited. The jury just used for the first time in history false jury nullification. And normally jury nullification is good where you nullify a bad law. In this case, the jury of liberals just said, we're not going to prosecute this guy. He's a friend of ours. Right, right. Yeah. Martha Stewart went to jail for lying to the yeah. FBI once. Yeah. Hillary Clinton lied to the FBI 39 times. Michael Sussman lied to the FBI and nothing happens. Um, yeah, and they tried to get Michael Flynn for lying. And in fact, it wasn't a lie at all. <laughs> it was just incredible. Uh, I want to, this is a, a strange story and it has to do about this, uh, this idea that took off that, that China was planning to invade California and locking down Shanghai, uh, uh, ostensibly to control the COVID outbreak there was all part of this, this plan. Explain what was this all about? Well, it, it's bogus, and, and I'm ashamed that J.R. Nyquist, who is one of the few commentators like myself who's been warning about Russian Chinese as existential threats to the United States, bought into this. You know, he's got a sociology and psychology background. He has no military experience, but anyone such as I who have been trained in amphibious warfare as a Marine Corps officer knows that you can't do an amphibious landing of millions of troops in the United States in container ships. I mean... Yeah, you could hide people in containers, but it would take over 900 container ships and the you know, U.S. satellite tracks all the shipment going around the world. You'd see this flotilla of 900 ships heading for the United States and wipe them out before they even got there. You know, as far as having rockets inside the removable tops of containers that can take out the, you know, missile defenses of California, you know, what's to keep the United States from, you know, using missiles from all over the United States. They don't have to be just in California. 
I mean, it's just bogus uh, on its face. I don't believe, and I've long said in the World Affairs Brief, that I don't think China's going to try to occupy the United States. I mean, who would be foolish enough to try to occupy a country with a trillion arms in public hands? I mean, trillion arms, that's a recipe for guerrilla war like none other. And that's why I've always said the scenario is Russia and China will join together and do a nuclear preemptive strike on U.S. military targets and then try to blackmail the West into submission. Uh, they don't want to have to try to fight it out with a trillion arms in American hands. Uh, so how did that rumor get started? Well, it's interesting. It's, it came from a so-called leaked uh, speech from Chinese generals that was leaked. And you have to always be suspicious of leaks that come out of China. Now, there have been some true leaks, like the speech of General Hao Tian, the former defense minister, talking about how ruthless he was going to be about trying to wipe clean America and Canada for living space. And they do need living space, et cetera. Uh, but the vaccine or the... the um, the vaccine that they were going to develop in concert with Israel that would target or a bioweapon was only going to target Westerners and not Asians never panned out. And so they've had to go back to their nuclear you know, scenario of, of attacking the United States and decapitating our military with nuclear weapons. But there's another leak that just came out, which I've talked about in the World Affairs Brief about how they're going to attack Taiwan. And that has more legitimacy because it doesn't try to say they're going to use container ships, et cetera. We know they've been practicing for an attack on Taiwan and it, and it is imminent. Uh, it could happen anytime this year. Um, so you really have to know your geopolitical history and military history to know what they can and can't uh, do to be able to see what's a bogus leak and what's a real leak. Um, and I've, I've deemed that one bogus. Uh, I've said that the Taiwan leak could be real just because it's, it's fairly accurate. We know that they want to uh, you know, take Taiwan. But it, a leak is a leak, and you always have to be suspect of it. President Biden, uh, was uh, his statements were walked back by mem members of his administration, which irks him. They're constantly having to step in and correct him. He blurted out that the United States would defend Taiwan in case of a- Militarily. Militarily, in, right. in case of an attack. Um, was that a blunder or was that, um, is that it really what he intends to do? Well, you know, I think off the top of his head, he thought, well, oh, it's a natural thing that we would defend Taiwan. Uh, but the, the walk back by the White House was very important because it didn't actually say Joe Biden misspoke or he was wrong. They just said, we want to assert the legitimacy of the standard statement that we have always said of strategic ambiguity relative to Taiwan. Now, that's very telling. Strategic ambiguity means we never commit to defend the country. We just want to let... China guess and say, would they or won't, but we're never going to admit one way or the other. We're going to, and that's a telling statement because it means we're not going to help. That's mm -hmm. what it means. And they won't. You'll see this. I'm absolutely sure if China attacks Taiwan, the U.S. will let it happen. They will cry bloody murder and they will threaten sanctions, et cetera. But, and Taiwan is a little bit af afraid of the sanctions. Um, one of the, and by the way, relative to that bogus leak about the shutdown of Shanghai being involved with secretly loading these container ships in Shanghai Harbor, 
look, I've been watching the satellite imagery and their container ships all parked outside. They can't get in. They can't load. Nobody's been going into the Shanghai Harbor. So that was very, very easy to de debunk about the secret loading of containers. That's not the reason for the Shanghai. One of the reasons was that Shanghai is one of the most rebellious provinces there, and they wanted to teach them a lesson about COVID lockdown. But the other was, I think they did want to hurt the U.S. supply chain. Uh, and they, and, and believe me, Shanghai is a big uh, monkey wrench in the supply chain. So is China overall in terms of their rabid COVID restrictions. One case and they shut down a harbor. And that's really affected our supply chain. They won't, they want to say publicly that it's a China supply chain problem, but it, it, it is. That's uh, what's we, causing uh, most of our supply chain problems. We just have a few minutes here, Joel, but uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't touch on uh, Russia, Ukraine. Speaking of supply chains, of course, uh, Ukraine, the breadbasket of Europe, Russia produces a lot of fertilizer. Uh, some, uh, some pundits are saying, you know, we could be looking at a serious famine in 2023. What are your thoughts? No, uh, I say not a serious famine. There are going to be shortages to be sure because of lack of fertilizer and the destruction of various fertilizer plants in the United States. But the wheat, we don't import Ukrainian wheat. We're, so, we're an exporter of wheat ourselves. It will affect Europe. In fact, Putin has been trying to blackmail Europe into releasing their sanctions on him in exchange for all let the wheat go through. And he has stopped overland shipments through Belarus of wheat. He's blockaded all the ports in southern Ukraine so they can't export. He's actually confiscated over 400 tons of wheat in the Donbass region, which he now controls. So he's very serious about locking down the wheat supplies. Uh, and the U.S. is having to do without, you know, the potash and other fertilizer from Russia because of our, our sanctions. But there are other supplies. They're more expensive. Uh, but it's not going to involve a famine, at least here in the United States. And uh, just last last question, what is going on with the destruction of all of these food terminals and and fertilizer plants? It's, it seems like the, the, a list as long as my arm of planes crashing into these places, explosions. It almost seems like someone is deliberately taking them offline. Well, I've looked into the specifics on each one of these claims, and very few of them look like a real deep state operation. There are some. But the planes, for example, were not. It's a couple, a man and a wife. The government doesn't hire a suicide bomber, a husband and wife, and expect them to, you know. There was a, an actual malfunction. Both plane crashes were not sabotage, in my opinion. The one plant, you know, that had a small, um, uh, what was it, an oil reservoir that caught fire. You know, this is not big enough to destroy a plant. It was an inconvenience. You know, if the government really wanted to go after these things, they would do things that really shut down the plants for a long end. I've seen a little bit of that, but not completely. I'm, I'm suspicious because the quantity of sabotage or, or of accidental supposed accident has gone up tremendously. And we're talking about triple normal. So something's going on there, but you have to look at every individual case to spot if this is a deep state operation or not. Joel, once again, how do we subscribe to World Affairs Brief? Well, get a sample first, go to worldaffairsbrief.com and click on request a sample on the left in red. And, uh, and then you can get a sample of the uh, current brief and it tells you how to subscribe, come back and then click on the red subscribe button and you'll get it every Friday in your email box. Fantastic. Joel, great catching up with you again. Thanks so much for this. Thank you, Richard.
A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.